The Watch is the latest and the greatest in pop culture from best friends Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald. Join them as they discuss TV, movies, music, and much more. Check out The Watch on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your sound only co-hosts here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts this week about the ongoing best video game character bracket featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series at the ringer.com. <laughs> Primarily top billing. Dante. Dante. <laughs> yeah, I think from, Dante actually kind of getting watched I out mean, early. He probably will, and it will be a tragedy a, a travesty actually if him getting washed out the first round um but michael one of the things about the fact that i i don't like i obviously get the idea of pop culture brackets because i work in media and have worked in media in the past 10 years sure explain to me actually how brackets we're doing this bracket right on the ringer.com mm-hmm. video game characters best of all time mm-hmm. what's the logic like explain just real quick brackets and the the logic of them and why people do them all right so bracketology is you know a fun thing that you know everybody can participate in you there's a lot of like kind of picking with your heart that goes into it but there you could be more academic about it you could literally have a color-coded spreadsheet about um, where people might meet further down the line, et cetera. But the basic idea is that you have this vast field, this giant field to pick from, and there are a certain number of teams, entries, levels, you know, seeds, so to speak, mm-hmm. that rise to a certain level of notoriety and thus are seeded into a tournament. And the regions are basically just so that you can group teams by, uh, I guess, well, for the purposes of our our video game character bracket, um, group them by terms of like, by, like by sensibility, I guess, like the, the kind of, the kind of role that they play in their respective games. So for instance, there is, um, Let's just take the first one, the Mushroom Kingdom. Most intriguing matchup is like Scorpion from who is just, you know, just beating the brakes off of Frogger from Frogger. Um, yeah. And we should know we're recording this on Monday. So this we're, is. The, yeah, we're recording yeah. this on a Monday. We're recording this on a Monday. Um, but it's a way to kind of like match characters up by. You know, just so that like a, a way to group them together, honestly, and to get the most boring ones out of the way early. <laughs> well, OK, so you get the most boring ones out of the way early. You describe this as fun. And yet currently I am looking at poll, which character should advance. The matchup is Tails from Sonic the Hedgehog versus Albert Wesker from Resident Evil. And now, Tails is okay, beating the I, brakes off of. All right. I hate this. All right. All right, all right. All right. All right. All right. 
So what I just described was like basically, you know, in a perfectly ordered universe where, you know, the sky is like the clouds are cotton candy. And every time you open your wallet, there's enough money in it. Like this is in reality, the thing that happens is that, you know, there are ridiculous matchups and upsets (sighs) that shouldn't (sighs) happen. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes this is a source of intrigue. Sometimes Mercer beats Duke in the first round and it's amazing. And sometimes Tails from Sonic the Hedgehog is washing out Albert Wesker, who, you know, actually I was realizing because I didn't really know anything about Albert Wesker when you were texting me about it because I don't play the Resident Evil series. But I watched like a YouTube video where it's just kind of like Albert Wesker explained. And there is... (laughs) And it's not like the story. There's like a lot of parallels there with like Age of 47, to be honest. I mean, like for us, for like maybe like the like, you know, the central part of the development of his character, not like when he's like fully into the sitting in giant leather chairs behind videos and like giving addresses about this is in this many hours this will happen and blah 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 and we will be the new race of humans and so on and so forth um i, I regret to tell you that agent 47 got trashed by laura croft which i is mean just, that's which is that's he's yeah like it's hitman is but like, agent 47 is literally by design of the game kind of like a blank slate actually when you're playing like the tutorial for hitman 3 um which came out like a couple of uh, like a month ago or so um like the 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 verse the voiceover from you know the british lady who tells you you know what you should pick up and what disguises to assume so that you can kill this target says that you know the boy is is and they're talking about you the 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 user the boy is apathetic and unresponsive he shows promise <laughs> like the kind of the nature what I kind of was writing about when I wrote about uh agent 47 uh, for the ringer is that like he's really just there to reflect level design which is like really intricate and really like involved and really agonized over. Like even the way that he talks is very like monotone and he can just kind of slip into and out of anywhere, be anyone and nobody really cares because they just don't register his presence somehow. And that requires like a certain kind of like lack of charisma. Yeah. Yeah, Hitman to me is always one of the games. It's not just me who thinks of it this way. I listen to other video game podcasts, and I, I feel like th- those podcasts always have at least one person who is the person designated to have never played Hitman, but always means to play Hitman. And it does feel like that thing, because it's level design the video game, but because that's the main thing I think of when I think of Hitman, right, is sort of do- it's doing so. These- it is actually, because I was talking to a, a really... Um, good friend of mine who like, and I've played. I think, um, like the first Hitman two because there are two of them. Like the way that these are like you know organized is ridiculous. But the the first Hitman two, and like Hitman Absolution and Hitman Blood Money, um, and like I skipped a lot. And then I came back with Hitman three, and this friend of mine has played like all of the games. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the other day and it was just kind of like, it's honestly the worst game for anybody that experiences the paralysis of choice because there's literally, it's easier to tell you what you can't do in it. For instance, you can't run very fast, (laughs) but like most of what I also wrote about was that like, there's not really a lot of room for you to shoot your way out of things. Like actually lining up shots takes a while and even when you're using like the sidearm, the silence pistol. And when you kill, when you create one body, you have to create more. <laughs> like it's just the way the game works. And so, you know, when you kill some, when you kill somebody like not at the right time, it feels like you're losing everything suddenly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So you kind of got to like bide your time and like, uh, like right before we got on, I was replaying the dartboard level, which is like something that, has been highlighted in a lot of reviews about Hitman 3. And 
I was just noting that like at over the like in the course of the mission, you you play as like you take the place of a private investigator and you end up in this clue like game so that you can get closer to your target. And in the course of it, when you're interviewing subjects, you have to wait for one of them to finish playing a song on the piano before you can interview him. And there's just like little grace notes like that all over the place. Um, yeah, I mean, like IO Interactive is very proud of the game that they the 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 game that they designed, and I mean, it's good. It's good to look at, but it's yeah. like not accessible. <laughs> wait, what do you mean not accessible? I mean, like, not really accessible in that, like, the game kind of, for the most part, unless you, like, actually do the, unless you take the time to do the tutorial, like, starting from the first mission, in terms of, like, how many prompts there are and how much direction there is, like, assumes that you already kind of know what to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So what's the, and this is the the interesting thing, right? It's, like, the way you're describing Hitman to me. And the way I've always heard people describe Hitman, it sounds like a machinery. And yet, like, we're doing, uh-huh. you know, something like what we're doing at The Ringer this week is is very character-oriented. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't know, that's got me thinking a lot about what it means to have character-driven games versus not, you know? And we've got other essays up on the site right now. We've got Riley writing about Link. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got an essay about the Doom Slayer and Doom. Uh, I... <laughs> I have filed, it's not up yet. It'll be up, you know, by the end of the week. I filed a frankly unhinged <laughs> and passionate <laughs> essay about Albert Wesker from Resident Evil and also uh, Revolver Ocelot from Metal Gear Solid. And I wrote this with the sense that when we were first sort of, I saw the, you know, the character names being bandied about, right? Like Link, Sonic, yada, yada. But then also Joel, Ellie from The Last of Us, the Final Fantasy characters. Um, You know, I feel like those are two types of video game characters, right? The sort of old school, classic, iconic, simple 2D, you know, hero characters like Kirby and Mario. And then you have the dramatic, cinematic people like Ellie, like Cloud. Mm -hmm. And the, the characters that I ride with the hardest, I think, ever since the PS1 are the characters who don't make any fucking sense. Right? <laughs> and that's what I wrote about. I wrote about Wesker. I wrote about Ocelot. To me, it's those characters. And there are more of them. It's just that I think Wesker and Ocelot are a particular mm-hmm. because they're, they are part of a series over that spans a long time that spans from the PS1 to the PS4, right? Um, or, you know, Resident Evil 1 to Resident Evil 5 in Wesker's case. Like, there's a weird way in which really sort of bombastic, incoherent video game characters start to unravel over time. Uh, and, like, if you think about Wesker and Ocelot, those are characters who don't even, they're not even consistently performed from game to game. Like, Wesker randomly develops a British accent in the middle <laughs> of the Resident Evil series, you know, and he starts dressing like a school shooter. And it's just, he started off as like a Midwestern cop and then he becomes Agent Smith from the matrix and he dies in a volcano. And that is my, that's me. That's my essence. <laughs> and that's what I wrote about. And we're going to talk more about, I think taxonomies later on in this episode, but that's where I'm coming from. That's the energy I'm bringing to this theme week. Do you even play the Metal Gear Solid games? I can't remember, Michael. No, I mean like I've played Metal Gear Solid four. I've like, what, you, I've, whoa, you, uh, you, you've played four. I've and only played four? only four. Like I started, Why? I and like I started playing five earlier in quarantine, <laughs> and obviously did not come back to it. I played four at 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 the best of again this the like the friend of mine that I was talking about earlier. Like like he would just give me games that he was like really into, like in high school, and I wasn't like gaming like that, like. Mm-hmm. So I would just play whatever he gave me. And he was just like, you are like, you know. And the thing is that like he would talk about Metal Gear Solid all the time. So I had like a vague understanding of it. And I could pick up like a dramatic story like, yeah. you know, for has from the outset. I can appreciate, um, you know, kind of like a, a weird story about uh, like... <laughs> 
refugees and like the fading efficacy of espionage and like an old man coughing most of the time. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I, I could, I'd like, it was easy for me to get into. It's um, just that it, I, it's that you are the first person in human history who has described Metal Gear Solid 4 as being easy to get into. I only say that with the sense of like, it's like if you had never eaten a hamburger before, but then the first hamburger and only hamburger you've ever eaten was the Luther burger. You know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 4 is the Luther burger of Metal Gear Solid games, if you ask me. I mean, you know, what? I, I don't know. It was, I was in high school. I can't, I literally cannot describe my state of mind at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. really was moved and alternately, like, greatly entertained by this game. And I kind of, it was like one of those situations where I needed to be pried away from it. But I didn't come like I didn't come back to the series like when newer games come out, and I didn't go back in the catalog either. Yeah, yeah, it's weird too because I think a lot of like what you said moved right. I find the Metal Gear series genuinely provocative and moving, and and there's and yet there's this dissonance between the fact that I take the series as a series right in broad terms, I take it seriously in terms of its themes and ideas. And yet, if you ask me about its individual characters, it's like, oh, I like them because they're stupid. They're obviously dumb as hell. And like a kid wrote them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And it's so it's so weird how effective a series as self-series serious as <laughs> a series as self-serious as Metal Gear uh, incorporates a bunch of characters who really are cartoonish in the extreme, including Revolver Ocelot. Who is a spaghetti western who meows? cowboy? Who <laughs> meow? Yeah, his origin story. He's he's like a KGB agent, and he meows, and that's his thing. Is he goes meow? It's very weird. He um, he meows and calls and calls his 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 soldiers from the darkness. Like yeah. that's his, you know. It's like he's like a character from a West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like that in that one game. And then in the yeah. other games, he's totally different. And that's the thing about him to me as a character is that he's, it's impossible. Even his own voice actors never really feel like they get a handle on that character. And I actually think that's part of what makes him a great video. Isn't this character. something that just like is inevitable when you have like a character so outre that the next voice actor, the next writer to pick them up is just like, why should I make this? Like? <laughs> I mean, kind of. Kind yeah. Of. And so therefore, like, you can't really have like a coherent story from beginning to end. But it's like always, it's like a fan favorite. Yeah. He's just like bullshitting. Yeah. Every game is Ocelage is kind of bullshitting. Uh, let's talk about kinds of characters. Let's talk. Let's let's break it down a bit just because I... I don't know. I was looking at some of the early feedback on this bracket and you can tell different kinds of people. It feels like there's some argument over kinds of games that are underrepresented versus kinds of games that are overrepresented. And I don't know. I think it's helpful to sort of break down what we even mean when we talk about a video game character being good, because it is very different to my mind from talking about what it means to be a good character in a TV show or something. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Micah, I feel like the first tier of top tier video game characters is kind of easy. I feel like it's the characters who are all kind of playing on easy. Mario is just going to skate through this bracket. And, you know, how do I feel about that? Well, on the one hand, it's Mario, right? Iconic character. We, sure. all, we know Mario. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't really know Mario. What do I know <laughs> about him really? I know his brother Luigi. I know Princess Peach is constantly curving him, and yet, like, he's always, you know, it's, I know the, the, the Peach, Bowser, <laughs> Luigi, Wario dynamic, but when we talk about a Mario, or even a Sonic, right, like, Sonic is a little more dramatized, yeah, I watched the TV show with Sonic, 
Yeah, I know the beef with Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> I'm up on the drama. But these are the characters where it's just like their thing, frankly, to me, and this is not a knock, but their main strength is that they have just really good character design, right? Like even Pikachu. Pikachu fits in this. Pikachu's in the bracket. And to me, the first thought I had looking at this bracket, I was like, look, no hate, but people are voting for Pikachu because of the TV show Pikachu. Like the Pikachu in the game is whatever. But for the fact that Pikachu is just a really well-designed character, really memorable, you know, that's toyetic. Pikachu is... Th- that's the thing. We're talking about the characters who are toys. Like we're talking, yeah, we're talking about we're talking about a brand name. We're talking about something that is like <laughs> we- Nintendo stands. <laughs> we behind talk it. about we stand behind it. We that's a brand it. name. We, we guarantee, guarantee it. it. We guarantee it. Um, I mean, like, as I also I, like, I always thought Raichu was a better, like, was a tighter design. Like, you. to be honest, like, it's- but, 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 yes, like. Pikachu is familiar. He's cuddly. Like Sonic the Hedgehog is, you know, blue and shouldn't have quads. You know, that was. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, man. I like, but yes, I like, I can see your point. Yes. There is like, there is, there's a, there's a tier of character. There's a tier video game character that is, you know, more or less just kind of a blank slate and honestly it would it's it's funny that like i would want to like but almost agent 47 belongs <laughs> in this in this bracket because i mean like there's nothing interesting about like him as a character he's just kind of like bald and has a barcode on the back of his head and you know wears a suit and, like it's a, it's it's recognizable but like it could be you know, the kind of changeability of it is the point. Well, and it's not... Or mutability not, of it is the point. The mu- but it's not even diminishing, right? Because the way I would maybe put it, if I were going to compare Agent 511 and Mario, right? Agent 511? <laughs> I if hate I were, you. <laughs> if I were comparing yeah. Agent 47 and Mario, here's what I would say. I would say that they're very prominent avatars, right? For the, for the games, for the series that they represent. And yet mm-hmm. they... They represent these series that really what people love is the game and the gameplay itself, right? So Mm -hmm. someone like Mario, it's like Mario is, yeah, he's an iconic character. But when we talk about Mario, we're really talking about how much we love playing a Super Mario game. Or you're talking about how much you love playing a Hitman level. Like you're really talking about, I feel like a lot of the time with these characters, it's that the the fundamental games and the design of those games Mm -hmm. are things that we love. And it's just that those characters are just such potent avatars representing that thing. And Mm -hmm. I actually don't think that that's always the case with good video game characters. Um, I thought about this when I saw that of all the Street Fighter characters, right, that we're going to make it. We actually have two, ultimately. It's Ryu and Chun-Li. Originally, the only name I saw come up, and I play Street Fighter, I play Street Fighter, right? And I saw Ryu. And I sat back and I was like, Ryu is so, he's so stoic and boring, right? Like Ryu, and, and yet it made sense, right? I was like, yeah, Ryu, mm-hmm. if you're sort of representing the idea of Street of, Fighter If you're someone, talking about Street Fighter, yes, it is like, but it's, I mean, like that's kind of also where it breaks down because you don't play Street Fighter necessarily to be playing different levels in Street Fighter. You play Street Fighter because you have a favorite because you have a favorite character in Street Fighter. Oh, but it's like, still the mechanics though. That's the, the thing. Mechani- but, the, like, the well, mechanics, the mechanics. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. But I'm saying that like that that is kind of like, you know, the like a weak point in the like applying this logic to bracketology, I mean. Like, yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. It's just that I think a lot about how is it fun to play Ryu? Yes, depending on which Street Fighter game you're talking about. We all know Hadouken, right? Like, it's fun <laughs> to play him. Um, and he is, the, again, he is the, if, if you're trying to represent just the idea of Street Fighter, the character you land on is Ryu. And yet, as a character, I still, I've played a bunch of Street Fighter games for years. And to this day, I don't really, like, they, 
Capcom has to make up alter egos for Ryu. That's how boring he is. You know, he's just not. <laughs> if you're talking about a character as <laughs> dramatic like, character, he's not a great character. But he's it's just the same thing as like Jin Kazama and Tekken. It's like mm. you know, which one is he Jin Kazama? Have, like, it, he's like the main one with the with the uh, the black. Uh, Pineapple hair, you know. I was the, gonna the, say, like, yeah, the it, yeah, wild hair. Like, okay, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but like, you know, he's got to also be a demon, and yeah. like, it's honestly like the fighting style of both, like him and Ryu, is kind of like clunky and boring to me. Like, it's like you know, if you were to have like sliders on everything, everything is at is like at seventy five. Like, nothing is like nearing like a hundred you get what i'm saying yeah yeah like it's a very even and balanced experience like yeah. you can't like really use them to gain like you can't gain such intimate knowledge of either of them that you will be like better than anybody else because you're kind of like cheating the the like the game a little yeah it's honest it's the idea of yeah. honest characters and yeah like sort of yeah. adapt yeah characters that are easy to pick up and uh yeah, I don't know. I think that's as, as true of Ryu, right, as it is of mm-hmm. Pikachu, right? Pikachu is yeah. never going to be as strong as Pokemon, but Pikachu is just such an iconic use, representation of Pokemon. Yeah, this tier of characters, you cannot really use the waterfall technique <laughs> when playing against other players. Uh, to me, right, this is in stark contrast with a kind of character who has become more popular in like the most recent decades of video game history, right? Which is mm-hmm. cinematic, arguably overwritten. Mm, the tragic, high, like high drama video game characters, right? So Joel and Ellie <laughs> from my favorite, <laughs> well, my well, favorite video deep, game title. Burden sigh. This is sound of air being sucked through teeth. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like basically anything where there had to be like an actual actor doing like facial capture, like so that the characters can have emotions. Well, I would expand it a bit, right? I I mean, like also this is just that that is like, but it's, you know, kind of a square rectangle, rectangle square thing. But that is definitely one of the things that is that happens in in this category. Yeah. It's just that I also think there are PS1, there are PlayStation 1 characters that count. I think Final, Fa- I think Cloud and mm-hmm. Sephiroth from Final Fantasy count, right? Because those are very, those are epic storytelling, three disc, you know, character development as video games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, you know, Joel and Ellie from The Last of Us, Cloud and Sephiroth from Final Fantasy 7, you know, Arthur Morgan from Red Dead Redemption, I mean, Jin Sakai from from Ghost of Tsushima, which you haven't played yet, but let's see. Who else? Would Aloy from uh, Horizon Zero Dawn count? Not only does she count, she is... It feels like an algorithm produced Aloy to (laughs) fit this category, right? And I I like Horizon Zero Dawn, but there are some things about the game I wouldn't have picked to death. But yeah, Aloy is like a perfect example of somebody who... She she not only counts, but she is very much pitched at the era of games that really want to produce more of these kinds of characters, right? Just compelling, honestly, dramatic characters. Honestly, like Kratos wasn't one. Like uh, Kratos is like explain one that Kratos kind of, to like, me because I haven't played God of War. I haven't played so. So Kratos sort of <sighs> straddles the first and second tiers that we're talking about. Okay, because in like earlier generations of the console, like uh, God of War one and two, of course, like there is, it's like a Greek, it's it's a literal Greek tragedy, you know. Um, but really, the visceral pleasures of the game are the draw, like the fact that you can, you know, grab a harpy out of the air and stomp on his back and rip off his wings, or like in order to get a literal, like just. You know, any normal person would just grab a torch. You then need to tear off the head of the sun, the screaming head of the sun god, so that you can like walk through dark places. It's like, 
the 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 draw of the game is like what you are able to do within it to ex- to explore like ancient Greece and murder the entire Greek pantheon. You don't really care so much as Kratos as a character, or at least I didn't. It's like not like although like the story is there, like you know his mm-hmm. he uh, he was a Spartan warlord that made a deal with uh, Ares, the god of war. Um, gain power, gain power, gain power, uh, in order to, and then he was just kind of like, I'm going to go home and be a family man. And Ares <laughs> tricked him into murdering his family. And so he walks around with the ash and then the, 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 the house burned down around him and he walked out covered in the ashes of his burnt wife and child. And so from henceforth, he has been called the ghost of Sparta. Um, you're unmoved by this you just say no you're i'm not i'm not i'm not like it's like you're not unmoved by it but it's like the uh, i guess like it's not something that hits directly when you are a like when you are a teenage a tween playing mm-hmm. games where you can you know murder people in really gruesome ways <laughs> um using ancient artifacts like the the, the story kind of like takes a bit of a back seat even though like it's cool to be able to go and like free Hephaestus's daughter and like you know in the process kill Hephaestus because he like sold his daughter into slavery you know or to do other things that are but like the emotional like the the real like the time like the when Kratos became cemented as like the t- the second tier character that we're talking about is the mm-hmm. second generation. I mean the 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 last gen console. Do you mean most recently, right? The most yeah, the most recent one. Yeah. Um, Don't they just make him like, oh, he a dad? He's, he's doing a dad. dad shit. Yeah. yeah, it's like he's a he's a dad. He's doing dad shit. He is trying to atone for like his many sins literally breaking the world in the, in the, in the third God of war. Um, like, and you know, does so by raising a son and being emotionally distant for 97% of the game. I would say, Um, but I mean, like, it's, it's like that one that like that game really tugs at the heart, like the purpose of it is a tug at the heartstrings. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But even the way you described the earlier game sort of gets to what I think is an important point, which is that it's not even necessarily that these characters always are compelling. It's just that they, there's a certain kind of character that is at least written as an attempt to sell you on you know, their personal story and their mm-hmm. character development over time. Because, like, do I give a fuck about Gordon Freeman? No. But I still think he's the this, this second kind of character, right? Because he's a plotty-ass plot character, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing. And that second category, I, I, I don't know that I've actually cottoned that well to the idea of... Like, I, okay, one thing internally at The Ringer... I, I feel like a lonesome voice constantly in conversations <laughs> among our colleagues <laughs> bitching about The Last of Us, a game that I don't like, I've tried to like, I find it excruciating to play. And yes, I am talking about the original game and I'm not even talking about the sequel. And to me, it's like, if I think mechanically of what it's like to pick up that game, um, the original The Last of Us, right? To mm-hmm. me, it's just like, oh, this game is just Resident Evil 4, right? But the difference is that it's Resident Evil 4 that wants you to take it really seriously. And I'm like, dude, the thing about Resident Evil 4 is that it's fun and it knows it's fun and it really wants to make sure I'm having fun all the time. And Uh it's like The Last of Us wants me to play Resident Evil 4, but feel really depressed about it. Can I tell you like how it was like it was sold to be as like just like the best use of like the Uncharted engine. Uh But like, but then like, and like I want to maybe I still have not played like either of the last of us games. Like, I mean, and no comment <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> no, I mean like I still not played either of the last of the games and that, that was how it was pitched to me, but it's just like, there is no one has said that he's, that was the first person to tell me that playing the game 
might be fun. Like oh, really? every, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everything else is like, you know, it is just a painful, gutting, arduous, like slog of a game that you have to play. I just, it's just like, this is like a, not a, it doesn't make sense as a set of inputs to me. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that's not my favorite quality of, again, the past decade and some change of games that have decided that they need to be cinematic. Right. Because there, I feel like there's a big misunderstanding that in order to have characters with serious dramatic weight to them, you have to make the entire game a kind of serious dramatic thing. And the thing I always want to remind everyone is that people cry when Sephiroth kills Aerith in Final Fantasy VII, the original game. Do you know what the first thing that happens after Sephiroth kills Aerith? You go snowboarding. Do you understand what I mean? That game has characters with real, real character development, you know, real emotional weight. And yet it is a game that knows it's a video game and that it contains multitudes and that you don't have to make Oscar bait characters, which is what I think a lot of the second category, especially in like more modern games, it feels like I'm being pitched Oscar bait a lot of the time, despite Mm. the fact that this tier is actually also filled with a lot of characters from games that are fun to play, that are dynamic, and that have real emotional weight without feeling like they need to, I, I don't know, that they Belabor need to it? compete with, with uh, you know, USA movies or something. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, I get that, you know, the, so the third tier of characters that we're talking about, the game, the, the, the characters that, um, are, don't make any sense. I mean, like, yeah, relied on, like, <laughs> or, yeah, relied on, like, yeah, relied on like video game bullshit, like, yeah. like being able to bank uh, shots from an automatic pistol off of a stovepipe to take out, like, you know, a hiding, <laughs> like, a member of like the the guard or whatever, like that shit that Ocelot does when he when he's introduced. Yeah, like, the ricochet, yeah, and it's it's stuff that it's the kind of character you'll see in movies is maybe like it's honestly real sense of humor, like even but, th- like not even just play the video game. It's an incredible YouTube video. It's like if you're listening to this, you just want to go watch it. Like you just need to see meow. meeting Ocelot. <laughs> it's it is a ridiculous seven minute video. <laughs> Um, and then, like the, this tier, right? This sort of absurdist tier of video game characters, right? Uh, like this is what I wrote about in my essay. But it is, yeah, it's people like Wesker and Asla. I think of Bayonetta, right? I, you know, mm-hmm. the reason I didn't write about Bayonetta in my essay is because I think the difference is Resident Evil, right? On paper, it has a plot and it's a straightforward plot. It's just that the games go out of their way to execute the plot really badly and include a lot of bad writing and poor choices. (laughs) And again, Metal Gear, really well-written series. It's just that Ocelot himself is inscrutable and bizarre. Whereas Bayonetta is an example of this character where it's like, I can't really explain to you what Bayonetta is doing in any particular sequence in Bayonetta, but that's because the larger idea of Bayonetta as a series of games also doesn't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. She's a character that doesn't make sense in a world that doesn't make sense where you're just fighting angelic demons with baby faces and the whole thing is ridiculous, right? Um, or Mortal Kombat. Like, the Mortal Kombat games are this, right? It's oh, sort man. Of, yeah. Every like, Mortal it's... Kombat character backstory is... What is Johnny K? He's like an actor well, I think It's also, murderer. like... What is he? The same, uh, uh, like, this... Like, when you used to, like, look through the... Do you ever... Like, looking through the, the, the booklets... Yeah. Of 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 fighting games? The biography page. Like, the biography type. pages... <laughs> And finding out that, like, you know, uh, you know, we knew that Paul Phoenix liked to ride motorcycles and worked as a mechanic. But Forrest Law likes, you know, to ride around on Paul Phoenix's motorcycle and is really into shopping. I didn't know that about Forrest Law, but I was just <laughs> playing the game. And he has incurred such shopping debt 
that he needs to enter the new tournament, you know, the, the king of the king That's, of fist yeah. tournament or whatever. Like, you know, they just come up with whatever, you know, whatever to get these people to this secluded island so they can beat each other within an inch of their lives. <laughs> uh, and the stories are always absurd. Like the intro to Tekken 7, I've rewatched like... On, just on YouTube sometimes when I'm bored and I did like instead of drinking coffee, it's a ridiculous sequence involving like a bunch of like the Jack Superbots and Hitachi and uh, Kazuma like throwing each other through a mountaintop dojo. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's absurd. Well, yo, can I say so most the most recent video game I played was Devil May Cry 5. I hadn't played mm. any other um, DMC games. And like, Devil May May Cry 5, right? It's just all of the lore bullshit involving Virgil and Dante and Nero. It feels like a good example of that, right? Where I'm not denying that there is a, you know, there's like a core story there. But it's just Dante obviously seems like such a patently, like, absurd, quip-driven person. And that's what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, um, he, he's always do, drunk, or you know. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he's just, but he is. But there's like the random, in, there's the random moonwalk dance sequence in Devil May Cry Five, and like that's that kind of. Yes, character. yes, yeah. yes, yes. Like he shoots the phone back onto the hook instead of just getting up and going <laughs> across the room and hanging it back up like a normal person. Like it's just all of the things where it's just the video game designers being like, look at this cool character design I made. I'm going to make them do, you know, funny shit. Yeah. But it's more that cause again, it's Mario is somebody who I think at the end of the day is 90% cool design. I think Dante is 50% cool design. Right. I think a lot of these characters are more like half of it is that yeah. Revolver Ocelot looks cool. Cause he wears this duster and is always talking about his cult single action army, the greatest handgun ever made. But yeah. the other part of it is that there's a real effort to give these characters a sense of charisma, even as there's zero effort given to give them any conventional coherence in terms of motivation or any reason you know? for them to have it, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like there's they just they just have always had it and will always have it because they have to. Right. Yeah. And they can sell it. Yeah. Like, do I know what Scorpion would do I have never in my entire lifetime understood anything about I don't the Scorpion versus Sub-Zero dynamic. Explain it. Explain Scorpion no. and Sub-Zero. I no. don't know. I, no, I won't explain that because I still don't know. Regardless of the fact that, like, listen, and we were, talk- we were, we were talking about this before, like, offline about the... Because the Mortal Kombat trailer came out um, this past week the, for, yes. the, for, the, for the forthcoming movie. And, you know, I was hyped because Hiroyuki Sanada is in it, you know, and I just watched The Last Samurai and that's great. And then there's also a dagger, somebody getting stabbed with a dagger made of frozen blood in it. It literally during the, 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 um, the requisite Sub-Zero, um, Scorpion fight that, you know, you have to include if you are doing a Mortal Kombat anything. And as you know, I've been seeing a version of it for going on almost three decades. And I still don't know why it's on site between the two of them. I don't like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. And I don't care because they just, it's not about that. It's about how it's about the, the dagger made of frozen blood. That's what it's about. I have yet to reveal this to you. I will do it live on air. I, I wasn't as excited as you about the Mortal Kombat trailer. Well, the thing is that, like, you don't like Drek like I do. The thing is, no, I do. Well, get out of here, first of all. My thing is just that I think fighting games should be sexy. And I do not <laughs> think Mortal Kombat is sexy. I think it's gross and has cooties. <laughs> uh, it's Give tacky. me a Street Fighter it's, movie. It's tacky, and Charity hates it. Um, that's yep. that's. That's is that is that's that's what you're saying. The thing is, also, I just you know, I 
maybe it's just not possible to make a good fighting game movie unless it's an anime. Because there was a Street Fighter yes. movie. The Street Fighter 2 animated movie, which I I have put Rob Harvilla onto in his mm-hmm. quest to write about Chun-Li. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are correct, I think. But continue. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Uh, and then there was... I. <sighs> I remember like watching, I remember the circumstances under which I saw Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which was mm-hmm. like on the couch with an ice with an ice pack on my pulled hamstring, uh, coming up from after, you know, getting dehydrated soccer practice, whatever. Anyway, it was like it was surf dinges, and then right after that was Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and I fell asleep during it, and I woke up to the part where Liu Kang morphs into a dragon. And I could have sworn that I like hallucinated the entire thing. Like it was just, <laughs> and like to the point where I've not gone back to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation for fear that I might summon something. Like it was that weird of an experience. But um, yeah, I'm looking at like, I, it looks, you know, terrible in a way that I really think I'm going to enjoy this new one anyway. I definitely think, Fighting in characters tend toward the ridiculous third category. Have we covered everything? I mean, I think, I don't know. Most of the other kinds of video game characters I think about are, they're not the kind of characters that would make a bracket like this because they're not iconic. But I think um, a lot of the time I can find myself really impressed with something like maybe like a really good boss fight. Right. Mm, that's, yeah. It's maybe really well designed in terms of its character, but also in terms of its uh, combat style. Right. Um, but that's something that's like beyond the scope of this bracket. I thought about Whitney's Mill Tank in Pokemon Gold, Silver, Crystal. <laughs> like that impossible fight in the Goldenrod City Gym with that stupid cow. Or, you know what I mean? Or like yeah, Matador, yeah, yeah, Matador yeah, yeah. and Nocturne. Like I think of, or the Ravis boss fight. Like a lot of the time, I think at least in terms of, I like a good boss Honestly, fight. And I like, like a the good flying, challenge. Yeah, the thing that I thought of uh, the th- I, in thinking about like the, like if I was to add, like if I was going to add that region to the bracket, like yeah. of, like boss battles or whatever. And I like was really struggling to think of... I was really struggling to think of like one that I really hated and then felt like, you know, a grand sense of accomplishment yeah. and I need to return to it after it's over until I was thinking about Shadow of the Colossus and the uh, flying, the flying Colossus. The, the you, sneaky flying one, the one that like just sort of rotates around the map forever. It, or, yeah, it kind of like, you know, flies around in the clouds, then ducks yeah. down underneath yeah. the pass and skims its wing yeah. in the water. Yeah, yeah. it's just like, Ugh. because it's because you can just sit there and watch it do its thing for half an hour because it's really pretty to look at. Yeah. But then you're just like, all right, well, I got to go kill this thing now. <laughs> yeah, And it's like every time you fuck up, you are just like, oh, my God, I have to wait for this whole thing to do over for the whole the th- like you gotta yeah. wait for it to drop back down again you know to feel safe or whatever and then to go back to its pat like it is uh shadow of the Colossus required so much patience but that but that's actually kind of more impressive than all these categories sometimes is when you you're dealing with a character and that you know with bosses right or with just combat challenges that aren't core characters that's when a character can come along in a game and that character doesn't even have a ton of screen time. They're in and they're out. You're, they're really there for the purpose of confronting you with the challenge. And yet they can make this huge impression on you that's mm-hmm. very outsized in terms of the overall playtime of whatever game you're talking about. Uh, so I respect that. And we should have, you know, we should have some sort of, I don't know, separate bracket for them. Well, who is your favorite, Micah? Um, It's difficult to say, like, if if I have like a favorite video game character overall, like it's just difficult to think of video games in terms of that. It's not like when you're talking about movies and you can say that like this character made an impression on you because of this scene at which explained this about, you know, their personality. It's It's not as easy as that. It's more so like I think about I get nostalgic for the experience of playing games that I can't anymore. And I think about like what the character, the main characters were or the supporting characters were in that game. Like, 
for instance, I was really feeding to play like Path of Neo <laughs> the other day. Um, because at a point in that game, you can, once you like, uh, can see the matrix or whatever, you're just flying around New York, you know, as Neo in your, in your trench coat. And like they they have all the major Wait, fights. Wait, when the was game. this from? I don't remember this game. When was this, this game came out in two thousand five? Uh, like so, it was like you know, in uh, like a PlayStation two, Xbox Gen game. But in it, you are like it's just you're playing the Matrix, and the combat was like so much fun. And there's like all sorts of like you know crazy. Uh, levels where you're doing logically expanded things from like the Matrix Reloaded and you know the third like the, the not the third movie because I mean like how could you even make a video game about that but yeah I mean like and then I was also thinking about Jet Li's Rise to Honor just because they had this combat system this dual stick combat system he'd settle down into like this pose once your adrenaline ran high enough and each of the sticks like controlled a limb while he was doing like drunken master shit. It was really like, and the camera would move as you were hitting people. Like, and it would, you know, the, the, the perspective of it would change. Like, I guess I'm just going to keep going with the string of references because I'm pretty deep now. Like the ca- the way the camera moves in like up the movie upgrade. If have you, did you see that? I haven't seen it. No, no. Um, I mean, like, it's basically Venom on a lower budget and better. Like, that's, that is what Upgrade is. But the combat and Upgrade, the way the camera moves is like, you know, to hide the lack of athleticism and the actors that they're using, I guess. But also, like, to convey, like, the physicality of the fight scenes. Like, it moves, uh, like, it shifts, like, 45 degrees at a time sometimes you know like as people are getting knocked over and that's like what the camera was doing in rise to honor as you were going into the slow motion fight thing and it was like it felt so innovative to me i don't remember anything else about the game i'm pretty sure like the driving was as bad as um that franchise that eventually became Sleeping Dogs. I can't remember what it. L.A. Crime, N.Y. Something like the lesser <laughs> version of Grand yeah. Theft Auto. Yeah. Um, true Crime. I think it was like True Crime L.A. or something. But yeah, like I mean, I would put like so. And by that, by that means I would put like Jet Li from Jet Li's Rise to Honor in the video game bracket. But I don't remember anything about that character. I just really remember. I just really miss playing the game. Yeah. It it is like a very frustrating thing. I had actually I recently have been playing Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. And then I went back and played the original Shin Megami Tensei. And to do this, obviously, I had to use emulators. And my what a hassle emulators can be, even though they are much better, much more reliable than they were certainly like 10, 20 years ago, or, you know, 15 years ago when I first tried to use emulators, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, when you're trying to think through character studies, when I'm thinking through my favorite characters in video game history, there just isn't a great way to sort of, it's not like Sherlock Holmes, right? You can't just say, oh, I'm going to go buy the books and read them, right? Mm -hmm. Realistically, they're scattered across all these console generations. Even if you have a PC, you know, you'll have some PC releases for some games, you won't for others. Like, it's just a sort of, everything is scattered to history in video game narrative. That's why it's kind of funny to me, right? That so many of these series built, you know, these character-driven series run for a decade, two decades, something like Resident Evil, right? Or Metal Gear Solid. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, this format's not really conducive (laughs) to that. Because now, in retrospect, it's like, okay, well, I have easy access to Metal Gear Solid 5, not so easy access to Metal Gear Solid 4 or 3, can't really play the original Metal Gear Solid 1, I can play the remake, you know, stuff like that. And it's sort of, my favorite character is not even in this damn bracket. It's Revolver Ocelot. And it's because (laughs) in a lot of ways, like, I mean, you know, I'm just like a Kojima stan and I really like those games and I think they're weird and provocative. You know, in this podcast, you and I talk about 
dumb anime shit, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term. And mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid obviously wants to be, you know, it's very Western. It's very Hollywood blockbuster mimicking. Um, very much, it's, it's, it's aping a lot of Hollywood action cliches. And yet, right beneath the thin veneer in every single Metal Gear Solid game is a lot of dumb anime shit. And Ocelot is the dumbest of dumb anime shit. That's what I love about him. But it's also that, again, that incoherence I was talking about earlier in the episode where he turns up in the first game, he has this gravelly voice, and then he's meowing in Metal Gear Solid 3, (laughs) and then in Metal Gear Solid 2 and 4, he's impersonating Liquid Snake, so he has a British accent. And then in Metal Gear Solid 5, he's played by Troy Baker, and he's kind of just like this boring man. And... I don't know. There's something about that where Ocelot more than any other characters in that series and also more than a lot of other serialized video game characters does a really good job of embodying how fractured video games are as as sort of if you try to make them narrative art. Uh-huh. It's just like, yeah, you got all these games and they're split across the, the PlayStation 1, 2, 3, and 4, right? And you've got Ocelot and... Ocelot is really like five different characters who are pretending to be a single character, you know, and one of them is super low poly and the other is motion capture Troy Baker and none of their voice actors sound the same. (laughs) And the only thing they really have in common, the only thing that's really serialized to them, because Ocelot's also this guy, right? He's triple crossing everybody. He works for the KGB, but also the CIA, but also for, you know, Foxhound, but also the Patriots. Uh, everything about him is fractured and incoherent except for the dumb anime shit at his, at his beating heart. (laughs) And that is the thing, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, And that's, yeah, that matters to me more than even, even the characters who I take maybe a bit more seriously and who I can, you know, I remember being a kid and I was a kid, but I remember crying playing Final Fantasy seven, right? Like there are all these characters who I think are genuinely compelling on a dramatic, like on some conventional dramatic sense. Mm-hmm. And it's just characters who, who look tight. Like Chun-Li is tight. Sonic is tight. Uh, Sonic games are trash, but them soundtracks are tight and Sonic, the character design is tight. But I personally, I just love a good brain dead nonsense video game character <laughs> i am thou and thou art i i too am america <laughs> I, I too am america um lord knows yeah i'm already screwed with his bracket all my characters are out wesker done ocelot done bayonetta who did bayonetta got washed by i'm so mad i don't even want to look at it bayonetta got destroyed by ellie from the last of us you know i can't stand you know, this and the girl. thing is that like by kratos is is looking not tight for him against uh fox mcleod the 15 seed it's oh no he lost nope see kratos is already gone kratos is out dante got washed there's it's just all the you know yeah, it's it's over, man. I like I got no I got no dogs in this fight. There are no favorable outcomes for me in this bracket apart from Kirby destroying Joel from The Last of Us. Thank you for your service, Kirby. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. That's all we got for this week. Unless you guys you guys don't know. I don't got nothing else, man. We this is that's all we got for this. We have we have talked uh in around on top of all encompassing video game shit um the ringers best video game character bracket week you know if you can keep up with it i personally am crushed uh so i'm over it i'm over yeah you you know i'll tell you what go read okay a couple of directives for listeners this week first of all please go to the site apart from just looking at the bracket and hate reading and getting mad at it, please read our essays. Please read uh, Micah on Agent 511. Please read me <laughs> on Wesker and Ocelot. Please read our pieces on Link and the Doom Slayer. So far, we have a lot of stuff going up throughout the week. Please email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com about video games, about whatever. Also, 
if you see people on here whining about why isn't this on, why is the, this in the, the bracket, uh, why the bracket like that, just can you make sure, listeners, just tweet the link to this episode and let, you know, let us speak for ourselves here. You know what I mean? Like, hear us out. We love new listeners. We love our current listeners. But, you know, like, it's a bracket. We disagree. We clearly have thoughts and feelings about it. Just hear us out. I feel like we've had a good conversation this time, you know. Yeah. None, you of, none of the decisions were made to personally offend anyone. None of us got what we wanted out of this. I have to watch <laughs> all the good video game characters just get washed by the cast of The Last of Us for no reason. I'm sick of this game. The sequel <laughs> wasn't even tight. I thought you would all have a come to Jesus moment about how overrated The Last of Us is. It didn't happen, I guess. Take your time, you know. <sighs> Sephiroth did nothing wrong. Wait, no, cut that. I didn't mean to say that. Hold on now. That's excusing a lie, actually. He kills a lot of people. Um, <laughs> no, keep that. That's, uh, <laughs> I feel like that is important. That's an important note for us to end on. Um, once again, everyone, please email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com. Once again, I've been Micah Peters. I'm Justin Charity. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>